When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Allie, and you're listening to Tobin Tonight. Welcome to the podcast, Allie. Uh, First thing I'm going to say is that I have heard The Springtime. It's your latest song that's come out, or came out in the last few weeks. But it's doing well, and I think that's what you want to achieve it'd be really bad if we started this interview with saying springtime <laughs> and it, it was a miss and you just already, <laughs> it's the worst thing you've ever put out and it's doing horrible and no one's listening to it yeah <laughs> that's 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 how i feel with podcast episodes when one of my friends would be like i've never heard this episode is that your recent one i'm like yes it's my recent one they'd be like oh man your your old ones were better i'm like don't don't <laughs> subscribe don't listen to me um but yeah, let's take me through this because I, I've seen Moonshine did really well. That kind of got you radio play as well. Uh, no One Like You, that's the one that got me kind of interested in interviewing you because it came up on Instagram. And shout out to your PR team. Or if it's just you doing this, then kudos to you because it's getting attention. Oh, amazing. Well, thank you. I, I mean, it's been years of releasing music and making music. I started really being a part of music from an early age when my parents put me into piano lessons and I had a very very strict teacher who would kind of force me to play hands together and learn to read music hands together from the very beginning and I would cry like every single week it was a whole ordeal that my poor parents had to go through but it was that tough learning and beginning into music that really gave me those like basic skills that I needed very early on to the extent where I could read anything music wise. And by the time I was like seven years old, my piano teacher could put anything in front of me and I could play it. So that's kind of where things started. I did the choir thing. I was a dancer. So I was like always on stage and just around music and then started writing poetry as I feel like we all kind of do in that like grade three, four, situation and then started turning them into songs and that was so long ago now but it's crazy to think that that was the beginning of what kind of turned into a really long music career already I started recording my first album independently in 2010 um, and that included songs that I wrote like when I was 15 and then one of those songs Don't Say You Love Me ended up being my first top 25 single as an independent artist that kind of got me some record label attention. I ended up signing my first deal. That was what brought you kind of moonshine and a bunch of other songs. We had a full record. And then it was just to the point where music was kind of taking me some other places. So decided to kind of wrap that up and made the move to Nashville and have a home base out here that's a little easier to travel back to, at least from Edmonton. I'm originally from Edmonton. But uh yeah, yeah, exactly. The prairies, and that's kind of, that's the thing. I grew up with so much music, but country kind of eventually found its way back to me. So it's really neat being in Nashville a bit more full-time now and making a full record. I mean, I was moving away 
from home for the very first time, moving away from my family. I was still living at home at that point. So it was just like a whole bunch of new emotions in terms of like finding new friends and being in a new place. And that felt like the perfect timing to write a new record. So it's been, it's been two years now, two years, just a couple days ago. So it's crazy to see how quick time flies, but that's the new record, which includes No One Like You, which is just the last radio single here and the springtime, which is just a couple of weeks old now. So it's, it's super exciting. So like, I, I know everyone has their like process of, you know, when, where they first started and when they made it, like, Again, I, I can say this because I assure you that you might have heard of it, especially if you're Canadian, but Much Music used to have this thing called Before They Were Famous or Before They Were Stars. And totally. you used to see, uh, the one that comes to mind is like the Avril Lavigne episode. It's, it's just, for some reason, that's the one that I remember because I was, I believe this is when she had Skater Boy coming out and just to see her upbringing and then showing you that someone from our high school was actually at the first much on demand interview that they had. And I was like, Oh my God, it's like, that's it's either really cute because that's her friend or that's really <laughs> stalkerish because they knew she was going to be there. And like, um, <laughs> but I, I, I love the stories that they bring because, you know, some of us, even in media or in music, you'll see an artist just appear out of nowhere overnight. And you're like, wow, they got such a lucky break. And then you think about it. And then when you read, their stories or hear an interview, you're like, oh, wow. Like, okay, that, that's a lot of struggle that they went through or um, a lot of things that we didn't see. Like right. for me, I used to listen to, well, I still do, but like Dan and Shay to me came out of nowhere. But when you hear a story of like, okay, this was a long process. I'm like, right. no one really doesn't, no one understands the process until you actually get to the point that they're like, now I notice you. Right. Well, and I think the biggest thing is, like you talk about that, that big break and the craziest part for me over the years is like feeling that things are getting bigger, but then you also realize that there's so many moments that are those little breaks and it's been fun to find fans in a bunch of those peaks amongst the way and have them kind of stick around for the journey too. So it's cool because like I was talking to a friend the other day about Taylor Swift, two girls who both remember seeing Taylor when she was like, very like new to the scene. No one really knew about her and they both had stories, but they were probably about three years apart of each other. And she was still an unknown artist at that point. So it's just really neat to see, you know, how many years go into it and being a creative, like it, it just takes time and you have, you learn to trust yourself along the way and take leaps of faith and do crazy things that you never thought that you were going to do before and eventually along the way, like you just kind of pick people up. Now, when you mention this, these stories about like uh, Taylor Swift, like do you, do you feel in time that there's going to be someone that will come up to you with almost like a, an exact same similar story that they'll say like, I remember seeing you with Tim Hicks or I remember you opening at this show back in Alberta and now look at how far you came. Totally. I mean, I hope so. I mean, the cool thing for me is I think the music has evolved a whole lot since the beginning too, where it's neat to see people building the puzzle pieces from like the first time that they heard one of the like first songs ever released to being like, Oh wait, this is her now. Like I crazy to think that's still the same person. So it's, it's fun to see that starting to happen, but yes, I definitely want some bigger shows and I have like, arena tours and all of that in my site. So, I mean, we're working towards it. So hopefully things just continue to, to keep getting bigger. And, and I kind of like how you touched on that, where you mentioned about like, even 
every little moment is either a big moment or in time you'll look back and think, okay, well, you know, yeah, it's a stepping stone, but when you actually sit back and think about it, it's a big deal. Like I'm looking at some of the accomplishments you have here, like a CCMA Rising Star nomination. So I'm sure when you first got that, you were thinking, okay, we're doing a stepping stone. And then the release of Bad Habits and it had 3.5 million streams. So you're like, okay, we're moving up the ladder. Right. And then when Moonshine did well, number one female single on Canadian country radio, I mean, when you had to hear your song for the first time playing, you probably thought, okay, we, we've made it. We've actually got some radio play here. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then you learn how hard it is to, to climb the charts and to have timing line up for you and all the stations jump on and you just like have the appreciation for, I mean, as much as I love like driving through Edmonton, my hometown, and hearing it on like our big radio station. It's so cool to be in the middle of nowhere and turn on the radio and like all of a sudden your song comes on. So as much as like I know a lot of people are all about, you know, the big stations which help you get your charting numbers, every single station counts, whether that's, you know, online streaming, radio wise, your T V streaming. Like there's just like so many different outlets now. And it's just so cool to know that like at any given moment anyone could be listening to your song. But uh, on the safe side, it's like, let's, you know, you don't want to get too shocked or annoyed and hopefully you're not the one driving. Cause I can imagine if I hear my own <laughs> podcast while I'm driving, I'm not going to be focused on the road. There's going to be two things. I'm going to be like, why is that 16 year old girl hosting a podcast? <laughs> and number two, I'm going to be like, that's how I sound. And the next month they'll be like, Brian, keep your eyes on the road. And I'll be like, I, I can't, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm too distracted by the fact that I sound bad on radio. That's <laughs> a cool voice. Can I also just mention that? Like, it was so fun I, when you got in touch with me. I just kind of started listening to some podcasts, and that's the coolest thing because I feel like the more you reach out to people, the more like the word kind of spreads. But oh my gosh, I was like, I love his voice so much. You've just got such a cool radio podcast voice in general, and and that's not something you can just randomly learn one day. It's it's all natural, and I love that. Oh no, it's definitely something you learn. Hold on, hold on. Let me put on my actual voice. Hey, how are you? <laughs> just have a just have this robotic interview voice. Be like, man, she she did a good interview, but how did they get that robot to talk that way? In your bio, it says you were five ten. I'm like, what does that matter? She could be like three foot something. She could be three apples tall. She's singing music. What do? What does that? What does that make me interested in knowing how tall she is? If anything, for someone like myself, that's just probably six foot. I'm a little bit more intimidated now to walk up and be like, can you get a picture with her? I'm like, no, no, she's about my height. Totally. Well, now you know you can find me in a grocery store <laughs> if you're ever lost and looking. Um, I think the biggest thing for us is like, I'm just like the weird one out in country music where I feel like a lot of the girls are like, you know, in and around like 5'3", five, 5'4", five, and all blonde. You know, like I'm just like literally the black sheep out of the whole entire group where it's just like, we're kind of rolling with the punches right now. <laughs> Even before you mentioned that, I was going to say to you, some of the country artists that I think of that were blonde and small, like I don't know their height per se, but like when I think country music, you got Carrie Underwood, Kelsey Ballerini, and these are blondes. And then like when you mentioned about the other side of things, I'm like, I was going to use the example to your defense as Marion Morris, but then I'm like, no, she's pretty short. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. No, for sure. I mean, and nothing against 
that. Like, I mean, I feel like I went through a childhood where I was like, ah, oh, I wish I was so much shorter. Now when I still go job- shopping for jeans, I'm like, ah, if I could just like chop a few inches off of my legs, it would make my life so much easier. But I think that's just been the whole thing is it's tough in the world right now too, being especially during a time where we're not really leaving our homes or going to shows or anything like that, trying to let people know what I look like and all of these kinds of things so they can envision that we're in person together. So, I mean, I feel like that's always the easiest way for me to define myself. I'm brunette and I'm tall and that's what we've got. (laughs) Well, I mean, there's, I mean, to, to kind of butter you up here and make this interview go really smoothly. I think there's more to it than just brunette and tall. Like I've seen some pictures. I think you're, you're pretty stunning there. Uh, well, thank you very much. I, I know when you mentioned about people being, of course, a little bit not going to concerts, being, you know, stay home, safe, stay safe, per se. You know, a lot of the acts have taken to Instagram Live. I've seen a few of your Instagram Lives. I believe you did one where the Rainy Day song of All By Myself. And I know that from Friends as well. Because oh, it's yeah. like the the one scene where Joey and Chandler are like in different areas. Totally. Yeah, I thought that was like a really good cover. And I was like, geez, like... Imagine if artists just did a whole thing one time and was like, you do a Zoom meeting, but everyone does a cover of someone else's song. And you're like, it kind of makes you interested in going, okay, I know that song, but wow, they really nailed that song. Now I want to go and check out what they do for their own original content. Totally. Well, and I think some of the coolest stuff, especially opening up with streaming now, has been the ability where you find a lot of artists who are releasing covers. And that's been on my list of things to do. I don't know if you're familiar with Kelsey Kulik, but she released this unbelievable three song pack of really cool covers. Kelsey's just got this like really cool traditional country sounding voice. And she took these pop songs and transformed them into something that I'm like obsessed with. I love the originals because once again, I listen to all genres, but oh my gosh, I would listen to her versions over and over again over the originals any day. So I think it's so cool when artists do that. So yeah, shout out to Kelsey. Like, no, I've never heard of her. Uh, we've had her actually on a, a few weeks ago, but yeah, she, she's really cool. Okay. And I, I love that you mentioned it because we actually mentioned in the interview with her of the kind of, I call it like a Dolly Parton almost voice where it's like very country-esque where a lot of... The, and and then, it's like haunting yeah, almost. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just so, it's so cool in the best way. Yeah, the yeah. best way. Imagine if she sees that and just, if I, I mean, imagine if I was that type of podcast where I just cut out the clip where it's like, she's so haunting. And then, <laughs> and then Kelsey sends you a message. What are you talking about? I'd be like, you know, that's my TMZ moments. Like, you know, podcaster <laughs> in Canada gets some steam when he mentions two singers, one blonde, one brunette. Who's going to win? It's like... <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I'm dying. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you're looking for your claim to fame, the qu- yeah. quick rise, yeah, qu- that will get yeah, all of the yeah, media that will get That will get more acts on the podcast. They're like, you know, is this the podcast <laughs> where I talk shit about someone else? I'd be like, um, <laughs> no. I'd be like, you mean therapy. Oh, That's therapy. Uh, going through your Instagram, looking at some of the pictures you had there, you do a really good job. I don't know if you did this when you were younger and you just never took it down or if it's just like one of these things that you keep adding to, but... A collage in your background of like all these different like posters meshed together, and I just looked at that and I'm like, that's so 90s. But I, I like as a boy, I almost felt like I'm not allowed to do that, but I really want to. Right. Well, so I am so proud of that wall. So thank you for bringing it up. That was my. I moved to Nashville and was just like trying to figure out 
really what the next record was going to be and what my brand was, what my style was, what kind of things I truly loved and was just having a really hard time walking into rooms being like, here's examples. So I got to town. I bought a backpack. That was the first thing I bought when I got to town. I met up with this person from Facebook Marketplace who had 30W magazines. And I took a scooter and picked up all these magazines, got there, realized how heavy magazines are, especially when you have 30, hopped in an Uber back to my apartment. And I spent probably about four months, just because it just is so time consuming, that I ripped through all the magazines and picked up my favorite photos and things that I related to and clips and all those things. And I slowly but surely made my way up the wall and created this whole collage wall. And now I feel like it all speaks to me and attests to who I am as a person and as a creative and all those things. And it's just been like so much fun. And I never want to move because I don't know how I'm going to take it down. <laughs> this is where my social media marketing comes in, which means I have no experience of this whatsoever. I was going to say, just take a picture of the wall as it is and then use that as a kind of make that a poster and then just add on to that for every move you make. So then people are, people would be like, Oh, cool. Like that's what she had in Nashville. That's what she has in like LA. That's what she had in Edmonton. So like it then becomes almost like a collage of a collage. <sighs> Mind blown. Right. Has anyone um, ever told you you're brilliant? That's amazing. I've not thought of that yet. No, no one tells me I'm brilliant. Most people just tell me, <laughs> most people just tell me how, geez, that's a stupid idea. Oh, like, yeah, of course. And then I'll just go and be like, yeah, yeah, I totally understand. Then just go home and be like, why do they think my ideas are so stupid? Um, yeah, that's amazing. Well, you've got yeah. one supporter now, at least. You've got one person reading for you. Oh, good. That's that's going to be my new podcast, Supportive Ideas. <laughs> and then I'll just see the one fan and be like, I love it. Great content. Um <laughs> When you're mentioning about cutting things out of magazines, it's like such an old school idea. I used to collect the wish books when I grew up, the Sears Christmas wish books, and I wish I still had them because I'd like to cut out stuff that I ordered as a kid and just the nostalgia of it, like wrestlers, and you'd be like, I have that wrestler. I I like that idea. So what kind of stuff did you cut out and to put up on the wall? Because you mentioned about some quotes, some images, like what kind of things were inspirational to you? Yeah, I mean, there was like lots of, like just photo shoots and feelings and all those kinds of things. And then I went through, there's puppies on my wall. There are quotes that are just like, just simple things saying like the truth. I don't know. I'm going to survive this. And there's a hell of a lot more like, just like little things. Do you believe in miracles was one that I loved. I'm literally looking at the wall right now and going through just like random things and just things that I really gravitated to and thought were beautiful. And the whole point of it was just like to trust my instincts. You know what I mean? Like if you like something that's awesome, if you don't like it, there's nothing wrong with the fact you don't like it, but you don't always need to say something about it. Right. Like I'm such a believer in like saying the things I believe and just rolling with the punches. So this, this wall was a testament to that. You like to collect the concert shirts. I do. I have like a Garth Brooks one that I made because I couldn't find a really good Garth Brooks one. I have like a Michelle Branch one because I, I just... You know, I, oh, I'm so jealous of yeah, that. Yeah, I just love Michelle Branch growing up. And, and, you know, I seen it on eBay when I was like maybe 22. And I was like, yeah, I'll buy it just for nostalgia. I've got an Oasis one. But that's that's basically the... the oh, you have a good collection. Yeah. And then the one that I really wanted, but I just decided against it after, was I was going to get a Shania Twain one. Like, I think it was Up. But in my mind, I'm like, I already have a Michelle Branch one. 
I'm like, yeah, I like Shania, but how many times am I going to go to school? And someone's like, hey, that's that guy that wears all the girl female shirts. And I'm like, dude, these acts are great. <laughs> they are. And it's funny you bring up Shania because I feel like that is my most valuable shirt out of my collection. Based on the fact I went to the show, I don't remember how young I was, but I went to the up tour. There's my mom and sister and I, and I really badly wanted a t-shirt. And they were pricey. And tickets to the show were also pricey. So my mom was like, you're, you're fine without a shirt. It's, it's all good. So being the person that I am, my parents raised me on going to see music. And my whole thing was like, I always need to have the shirt. And we left without the shirt, very disappointed, young child. And there was this guy outside the stadium selling shirts that were kind of just done wrong. My city is spelt wrong on the back of the shirt, and it is the coolest thing that I have ever owned, and I will forever cherish the shirt. I'm guessing it's like a bootleg shirt where you're just like, I I like it now because it has a little bit more of a nostalgia feel because where it's spelt wrong. It's almost like one in maybe, just say if he was selling 50, you have the one in 50 that's spelled (laughs) wrong. Yes. I've got the official unofficial shirt. There you go. Yeah, exactly. I've I've got shirts like that where I look at it and like, I, I'm I'm annoyed when it first comes in and then after a while I'm like, okay, this is a good conversation piece. It's just one of those things that I think they add to a collection, but at some points you're just kind of like, why do you bother? Like, why do you make this? <laughs> Yeah. The the other thing that's kind of intriguing to me as well, because I know you mentioned about being pianist and, and dancer. Did you ever think about in your music videos, like incorporating that, like being like the Britney Spears of country, where you just dance in your music videos as well? You're going to give me away. This has been in my mind the whole last two years. And I've tried selling it to every single person I've talked to a music video about. And I'm like, we should have an official dance. And everyone's turned me down. But now TikTok is a huge thing. So who knows? Maybe I was onto something. Yeah, just you just do your own TikTok video. I, I'm very surprised because usually, and I don't mean this in a negative way towards just say like Canadian musicians or just like ones starting off, but like you'll always see, you know, a, a Drake or a Weekend, and when they come out with a popular song, you the TikTok just takes it over, and then they come up with their own Perfect. dance. But I'm just a, like, I see him one the other day. I think it's like Mike Ruby. So he was one of the people we had on a few weeks ago. And yeah. he had a TikTok going where people were doing like a dance to his new song. And I was like, okay, so TikTok is great for these kind of acts if it helps them, you know, get places. But I have a bittersweet relationship with TikTok because I hated Vine. And TikTok to me is just like a Vine where you might have your five or ten seconds of fame. And then people are like, yeah, I remember that girl in that video for like five seconds. And now I don't know who she was. Don't really care of where they were from, but yeah, for the five seconds they were on my screen, cool. Totally, and we loved it, and that was it. And honestly, I've been so iffy about the TikTok thing, and then I feel like quarantine kind of got the best of me, and I was like, oh, we'll give it a go. And like, I'm really bad at making videos for it, but man, I sit on there for hours and not realize I'm sitting on there for hours, just like scrolling. And I needed to stop myself. So we're kind of off the TikTok train for a hot minute. Well, that's that's what I call my bad habit, pun intended there, <laughs> with uh, with Facebook. It's like, uh, I'll go on Facebook and I'll be like, okay, got to update this for the podcast. And then I'll see a video. And it will just be like something either that I did. And I'm like, okay, I just want to make sure it sounds fine. And then I'll scroll fra- Facebook and it will go from watching like 
Avril Lavigne back in 2002 where here's a new artist that you might like and I'm like okay this song's cool okay let me contact them and then like an hour later it's like uh you know watching Spongebob I'm like how did I get from uploading my own stuff <laughs> to right. you know contacting an act about an interview to Spongebob and then it's like trying to find the trail of what happened here <laughs> oh you don't have to explain it to me I do like all of my own creative on my end so I just love like scrolling through and getting it you know, ideas and inspiration from other people. And then, yeah, it'll be like, once again, hours later. And I'm like, okay, well, there's my entire day, but it's, it's been great. We're at a point in time where we can spend as much time as we want. With these songs that you're coming out with, with No One Like You and Springtime, what's like your end goal and what was kind of the thought process in these songs? Well, this whole record kind of started off from, once again, redefining and clarifying what my voice and my sound was and all the things that I loved in music form for the fans for the new record. But then on top of it, I've never really done, like I've done a bunch of one-off shows, but we've never done a full-blown tour. And my whole thing was that I love creating the show. I love visuals. I love intro pieces. I love like all of the things that come with having a live show. So I really wanted to build this record based on how I could see the show moving, how I could see movement in the show, how I wanted the fans to react to certain things. So this record kind of started that whole thought process of if I went to a show, what are songs that I would want to sing along to? And what are things that I would want to see happen during that show? So that's the plan for the record at this point. I've been slowly shooting things out to the world. I feel like things have taken a little longer than I planned for, but I'm a very detail-oriented human being, and I have a really tough time putting things out to the world before I feel like they're like, at least, they don't need to be totally perfect, but they just need to feel right in terms of the artistry and, and what I hear in it. So the record's just about done, which is which is crazy to me because it's been two years, really, of writing songs and finding people that I wanted to work with and collaborate with on this one. And, we're so close now and putting out the springtime here a couple of weeks ago, that felt so awesome to have another one off the track, but I'm just like continuing to like try and finish up the rest of it. Cause I'm just so excited. It seems like you have a very, if you weren't in music and I, and I feel like this might be your career post music, but it seems like you have a very eye to detail of what you wanted to achieve in a song or what you want the fans to experience. So I feel like there's a little bit of a production kind of background there with you. And maybe that's involved with like the whole dancing too, because with dancing or being a dancer, there's like choreography. So I can see where that background comes into play. The other thing that I was going to mention there is if you ever look for a tagline for the album or for like... It's not the greatest of taglines, but it could almost be like a fan's perspective of music because it seems like that's the approach you were taking when you mentioned about what songs do fans want to sing along to? What uh, like what kind of reaction do I want to get out of people listening to this song? And I can definitely tell that in certain songs like pop and it's upbeat. I'm like, okay, there's a catchy part of this and she knows that this is the catchy part. And then you have other acts that will definitely, nothing wrong with it again, uh, just sing songs and then they become catchy on their own but i like that you actually expanded into thinking okay like what's the fans take on this because some people just just don't right well and i think the toughest part is being in country music right now i don't want to say as a female because that's always kind of been a little tougher but i feel like the good stuff stands out still but i think the toughest part in country right now is that there's so many 
different like subgenres in the country community. So you've got the classic country and the traditional side, which I still love and appreciate so much. You've got the bluegrass side, you've got, you know, the pop side, you've got the rock side and like country itself has like really expanded into like, I feel like one of the oddest genres in the best way because fans can just like click shuffle on any given playlist or radio station and hear so many really interesting and different things. I don't think it gets boring all too quick unless you're listening to like one specific kind of like bro country thing over and over and over again. But like, it's, it's really interesting for the fans. And I think once again, this comes from, I think the tangible side of me where I like loved getting CDs as gifts on birthdays and just like going through the booklet in them. But with that said, I learned to listen to a record even on cassette, like I bought my first cassette tape and it was the Sabrina the Teenage Witch compilation cassette. It was one of those where you like listen to it top to bottom. And if you have a favorite song, you take the time to press stop and rewind and maybe like rewind a little too far into the song before it, before hitting play again. And like listening to music, it was an experience at that point. And creating a record, I wanted something that would play really cool from the first song to the last song. So I spend especially extra time going through and like listening to the lineup of songs and seeing if things flow properly from one to the next and like all of those different things or does it tell a story? I just like, I love music. I love creating things so much and I have like such a huge passion for it. And I know that a lot of people don't pick up the little details, but it's cool when people do. It's kind of like Taylor Swift's Easter egg hunt stuff. Like the people who pick up the little details and things that she puts out and like, start building the story behind what she means by it. I mean, that's the coolest part of doing this. No, no, I agree with that. And when you're mentioning about like your first cassette tape, I mean, it's a little bit, I, I, I understand it, but I can imagine if you had this interview with someone like 19, they'd be like, what's a cassette tape? Right, totally. Um, oh my God, it, it came to the point where I'd bring that up on like when I would do acoustic shows and like writer's rounds where I would tell the story and I would do the like, who's ever had a cassette tape? And like, as the audience has got younger and younger and less hands go up, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm dating myself a little bit, but like, that was such a huge part of my childhood. It's funny because I had this act or I had this conversation with my friends the other day where it's like, you know, I play soccer nearly every year in Ottawa. Now this year it's different, but we graduated, I think in 2017, I believe from like, uh, or I, I think it was 2000, no, 2014 from Carleton. And but yet we were part of this alumni association, so we're allowed to go back every year, play soccer, and enroll in the the program. So I noticed over the years, I'd always make the same joke to like the opposition team. I was like, I grew up on the Backstreet Boys. I remember having their first CD, blah 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 blah. And I noticed with each passing year, the joke kind of got a little bit less funny or a little <laughs> bit less over because you'd have the younger crowd that are just starting at Carlton that are doing this for like a summer just play sport and I'd be like I remember Backstreet Boys I remember like Shape of You they'd be like on Spotify I'd be like no I had it on like CD they'd be like what's a CD I'm like right. I'm like Colin we have to get out of here like ASAP yeah. like, like this isn't working for me anymore I can't tell my jokes it's crazy it's crazy how things change like even like cell phone sides of things I feel like I didn't get my first cell phone until I was 17 and I'm so thankful for that because I actually had like 
a point in my childhood where I loved doing puzzles and reading books. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, I, I remember my first cell phone was a flip phone and there was two ringtones. You could either have Hockey Night in Canada or O Canada. So I was like, oh my <laughs> gosh, that's unbelievable yeah. that is so cool i love that and then i got older uh, like you had the slider the slip the the slider phone where you could actually take out a keyboard and text and i was like oh this is great but i still use it as a reference today when when i say to someone i have your music and i mean to say i have your music on my iphone but i always say yeah i have your your music on my ipad or like on my ipod and they're like right. they're like you have an ipod i'm like you know what i mean you know what i mean I wish my first iPod was still working. My parents, that was my graduation gift. That's how much I loved music, is that my graduation gift was an iPod. And that was the chunkiest thing I have ever had in my life. But man, it did the trick. It did exactly what it needed to do. And I loved it. So how do you feel about like the, the old stuff? Because like, I, so I will definitely go back and there's songs that when I was younger, I didn't really much appreciate at the time. And now like, I love them. Uh, like, the, the one of the songs that I think is one of my top favorites besides anything that the Backstreet Boys does is Blues Traveler's uh, Runaround. And I remember listening to that as a kid and just, and like, just, just not getting it, just finding the song very annoying. And then like, once I got a little bit older, I was like, I don't know, maybe it's just when you get older and you get like in relationships or stuff and then you kind of relate to it. But that song and I believe better than Azra, I believe it's good. Like these are songs that are like old, but like, I'll listen to them and I'm like, okay, I get them now. But the same point is I feel if you mention this to someone that's 10 or 12, you're like, oh, great. This is like the dad music now. Right. Totally. But there's been, I feel like the cool thing about older music is that there's almost been like a trend to it right now, you know, about having that a little bit retro or vintage per se growing up, like, especially dancing, they'd use a lot of like older songs. So I love when old songs come on, whether that's like 90s country or 90s pop or like whatever I'm listening to. I'm, I'm a big fan. I'll still, I'll still listen to the oldies. I, I wanted to play this game to actually clue it up as well here is, do you want to play a game of bad habits? Oh, let's do it. All right. Cause I, I feel like that's inspired by the album. So, I mean, it, it see how I tied everything in there? Oh, the, the album was made up of a lot of bad habits. When that song was written, I was like, <laughs> this is the album title, 110%. <laughs> What would be a bad habit that you would like to break? Definitely shopping. I feel like I can't leave my house. So now I have started online shopping and it's not like I even buy a lot of things, but when you don't have something, once again, going back to the fact that I'm a tangible person, when I have to wait like two weeks for something to come in, I order more things because I get bored. So my online shopping habit could go for sure. <laughs> what would you consider a bad habit for an interview or a podcast? Probably saying things like, um, a whole lot. Uh, here, here I go. I'm not going to be able to stop myself. Oh, no. I, I literally can't stop. Every single time I open my mouth, it's going to happen. Uh, overthinking. Overthinking 110%. Along with saying, um. Don't say, um. Man, it sounds like I'm like the How I Met Your Mother episode where they just crucify Robin for saying, but, um. So mine is just like, um. Oh, my gosh. I totally forgot about How I Met Your Mother. I... Me, I've been meaning to restart and watch all over again during quarantine, and you've invited me. I'm literally going to do that as soon as I hang up Oh, well, thanks. I would have liked to get the invite for that one, but okay. <laughs> well, you, you are more than welcome to join. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Ali for coming on the show. Remember, 
You can find past, present, and future episodes on TobaTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying thanks for listening and good night. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.